So hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. I'm Sunil. I'm I'm going to be your host for this episode. So my guest for today, I'm going to spend a lot of time introducing Mayur Gupta. So currently he's the chief marketing officer at Freshly where he's leading a team of marketers to make Freshly an iconic brand and drive breakthrough growth. So he's inspiring every household in America to bring a positive change in their lives by eating healthier each week, something that is very important right now. So prior to Freshly, Mayur was the global VP of growth and marketing at Spotify. Prior to that, he has worked with great companies like HealthCrates, IBM, Kimberly Clark, Sapien, Nitro and HCL. He's also an investor and board of members of many amazing businesses. And well, I could go on and on about Mayur's introduction, but let's hear about him from himself. So hey, Mayur, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sunil. Thanks for having me over. Excited, uh, excited to be here. Yeah, it kind of took a long time for us to, you know, actually get on this recording, Mayur, because since we, I think we start, started talking about this in 2018, December, and uh, here we are in 2020, and the world has definitely changed, but uh, we're still doing the show, and I'm really excited that we could make it happen. Yes, look, I... I think it's it's more of a reflection of my mismanagement than than anything else. Oh. I would have, I was, I have been looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. Of course, some uh, all the great things you're talking about, but also because I grew up in India and I I moved to the U.S. in 2002. But my my heart and and soul is still very much in India. I think I I know about India and, and what what's happening there. Perhaps more than a big percentage of people who are living there. So. Talking to you about about stuff in general and and connecting with a lot of my friends there is just fantastic. So I'm I'm excited and yeah. uh, I hope to I hope to come back much sooner than what it took us to do the first one. Yeah, awesome. So so about your career, right? So when you you started in India, I guess, and you started as a developer, you did a little bit of product management then, and then you went all in for marketing. So can you tell us more about you know how how this path so did you choose each of these steps in your career path or was, is it, was it something like, you know, that just happened? Yeah, it, it wasn't as conscious. It was, I would say it was unconscious and, and rather just accidental. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so I started as a pure engineer. I was a developer. That was a thing back in the 90s. You know, if you, if you didn't have a clue what you wanted to do in life, you just picked computer science. You already uh-huh. at least get a job. So I was... I was part of that segment of uh, kids growing up in India. I, I had no clue what I wanted to do in life. I think kids out of India are, are incredible entrepreneurs already. I, I, I'm following so many of them and I know so many of them. I, I wasn't one of them. So I started there, did everything as you can imagine, worked 20 hours, many 24 hour days, saw a lot of sunrises in the office, mm-hmm. both in India and here as an engineer, as a developer, Java, JD, you know, JDE and wore all kinds of hats, Unix admin, DB, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, the pivotal, there were two pivotal points, I think, in my career that came. One was I, I used to work at Sapient, which is now part of Publicis, you know, mm-hmm. that's a big, big Publicis agency family now. So in, in the mid-2000s, we acquired, or the company, Sapient acquired an ad tech product company in, in Florida. Uh-huh. And I was lucky enough that one of my mentors, who's, you know, who's still my mentor, he asked me to become the product lead for that. And that was a pivotal point for me that evolved me from pure engineering to building products for the world of marketing and advertising. So that was my first baby step into that world. 
the only exposure I've had to marketing until then was as a consumer, you know, all the ads we ever saw. Right. So right. the interesting part was one that took me all the way to the roots of marketing, you know, how the world operated because we were literally building those systems. And back then, you know, the double clicks and the atlases and Googles were, were still just entering into the world and we were competing. The caveat is, of course, they were product companies and they exploded. We were an agency and a service company just did not have that kind of vision or a strategy to build products. But I learned a whole lot. So that was one. I did that for a few years, ran, you know, some part of the agency, ran a studio, did marketing strategy, marketing tech strategy for some big CPGs, Fortune 100s, while on the other side of the fence. So that was one pivot. The second pivot for me came when I finally left Sapien after 12 odd years or so, wearing all kinds of hats. And I joined Kimberly Clark as their first ever chief marketing technologist, you know, reporting into the CMO, sitting in marketing, but a technologist. And that was a pivotal point for a few different reasons. One, that was still a new thing. Uh, you know, the world was still contemplating what marketing and marketing's future and, and the future of businesses would look like because we had, we had moved from this concept of digital marketing to marketing in a digital world. We all were going through a big transformation in our lives where digital wasn't a thing anymore, right? That just became the life, you know, we were yeah. leading. And of course, look, right now, even if you restrained yourself for all these years to live a digital life, you are in it now, you know, fairly and squarely. So uh, that, was, that was a big moment for me. And one, going on the other side of the fence, so I'm in services and agency world on the brand side was one. Two, representing a role and a function that just did not exist in the industry. So the marketing technology function or the role of a chief marketing technologist was very, very new. I, I struggled a lot in those three and a half, four years at Kimberly Clark, but I learned a lot. I grew a lot. And those were the most trans, transformative moments and years of my career. And the fundamental shift that that experience brought for me was, I think the first 12 years I was, I did well at Sapien and grew a lot. And, and of course mm -hmm. that was a foundation, but I don't think I had a perspective. I don't think I had a point of view that was mine. Uh, that exposure to the outside world when I left the place I knew so well, that finally gave me a perspective. I finally had an opinion. I finally stood up for something. And, you know, what I, the perspective shift and evolution that happened in my professional life also trickled through to my personal life and what I did there impacted professionally. And since then, it's been incremental baby steps into the world of marketing. Spotify was fascinating. And coincidentally, the world of marketing itself has been evolving every single day right. since mm -hmm. the early 2000s. I just happened to be in the right place, at least for me, in the right place at the right spot and being mentored by some incredible people. That's really great. And so, Mayu, you always talk about this, having, having this perspective, right? So why do you think it's very important to have this perspective as an individual who is just starting out? Very simple. See, in life, if you don't stand up for anything, if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. And that is so true for business, for your professional life as well, just as much as it's true for your personal life. And, right. and um, it's so important to have a perspective because, see, that's what people are looking for. That's what people are looking from you as a leader. That's what people are looking from you as a team member, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, uh, as anything. 
People are looking for you to have a perspective. Whether you fail or succeed in an idea is mechanical. You know, that's purely mechanics. It's only, right. it's a question of a lot of different things and you're bound to fail, you know, when you, when you try different things. You, if you're not failing, then there is something fundamentally wrong. If you're not failing that as a company, as an individual, then you just aren't trying enough. You're being too safe. So that in itself is a problem. But what people are looking for when they're hiring, when people are looking for when they're joining you in your team is, are you somebody who has a point of view? Are you somebody who has a perspective? Uh, or are you just flowing with the winds? And when I say you, that you need to have a perspective, I don't mean you've got to be stuck with your perspective. You've got to keep evolving. But at any given moment of time, you need to have your own North Star. If you don't have that, you are a Ferrari with no steering wheel. Beautiful engine, yeah. great speed, but you got no clue where you're headed or where you're taking your team or where you're taking your company. Right. That's, that's a really interesting analogy. So, like, you know, the other kind of companies that you've worked with, since you have uh, made that pivot from, from a technical person into like a product and then into marketing, right? So I think Kimberly Clark was something where you started into marketing. So from, from all these years from Kimberly Clark, Health Grade, Spotify, and Freshly. So if, I believe all these companies have consumer-facing products, right? And so was this plan that you, you are going to the consumer-facing companies or this happened in the flow again so you you were in the right place at the right time or was this planned for you well it was a combination of a few things of course i was selecting the jobs so it was there was there was very clear conscious choices that i was making in terms of the organizations i want to work on in terms of verticals i've been all across the board simply because i don't think for you know when you're thinking about growth and transformation and, and building businesses the vertical knowledge matters a lot for certain kind of roles, but in this world, you know, that is less relevant because at the end of the day, whether you are in fintech or, or product or entertainment or travel, you know, or healthcare, ultimately every business is trying to solve a human need and a human problem. You know, you, you're trying to solve inefficiencies uh, in your daily life. And, and I also feel look direct to consumer businesses or, or B2B look at the end of the day, there's only one person who's paying. There's only one person who's ultimately surviving, dying, or living. And that's a human, that's a consumer, right? So yeah. machines don't consume product or services. Machines are a means to that end. Ultimately, whatever you're producing, there is a human being at the end. The reason why I happen to be working in more direct consumer-facing ideas because I think I'm the most uneducated and the most misfit marketeer. So the most natural way for an engineer to tell a story and market something is if I can relate to it as a human. So yeah. otherwise I, I really don't have a shot at convincing you to buy, you know, back in the day, I remember when I was interviewing for management schools in India, you know, one of the panel members said, sell me, you know, sell this pen to me. I think that's a, that's a atypical yeah. question in management school. And yeah. I had, I had no freaking clue. And to be honest, if you ask me to do that today, I'll probably fail even right now. And so I think for me, what helps me as a, as a marketeer on paper is, is things that I believe I can relate to in my own life. And they more, most of them happen to be things that we all would love to use or things that are solving inefficiency that I'm seeing in my life or lives around me. So that's a really great perspective to look at, right? And it's, I think it's, it's definitely important. And so yeah, last year when we were talking, right, about uh, you, you were just joining Freshly as the new CMO. 
so did you also carry this same perspective when you joined freshly right and and when you convert that into marketing right you were there you were hired as the cmo so you are the marketing leader in the companies how do you make your team also have the same perspective obviously not the same but how do you get the buy in from your team yes um well, first of all i actually uh, i perhaps would not want them to have uh, the same perspective it's yeah. you, you know you you bring leaders um, who are one way smarter than you are and and they are experts in what they do and i think if you bring you know when you do bring innovative leaders you know you know who are who are motivated uh, who are excited they they should share your values they should share your mission but they should bring their own unique perspective to solving that problem to getting to that mission right. um, in fact they they should challenge the perspective that you may have as a leader as a team so one i i learn a lot from them and that's the kind of team that we have built and and it's a journey it's a constant evolution yeah. and uh, what i look for is so this is where i think i i kind of <clears throat> learned after a few years uh, the the correlation uh, between or the difference between values and culture so oftentimes i hear a lot of organization a lot of people say hey, somebody was is a cultural fit or was not a cultural fit i think that's a misnomer you actually shouldn't be looking for cultural fit you want cultural ads you want people who are diversifying your culture who are evolving your culture right. uh, who are bringing that you know diversity because diverse thinking diverse background diverse education diverse experiences bring different ideas to solve the same problem you know right. and, and sometimes we now measure diversity in terms of gender ratio which is totally uh, is only one you know one small element of something much broader that we are all trying to solve so that's right. that's one but then the values as an organization your values as an individual um is something that stays much longer not forever because your values may evolve as well but your values should not change and evolve with every new individual joining your team right because that's that's your substance that who you are as an organization so ultimately the way i solve problems is very simple rules bring people who are 10 times smarter than you are in what they do and my job right. as a leader is to break down the barriers and to connect the dots i'm i'm a dot connector you know then and right. being an engineer it kind of helps uh the system thinking kind of helps me do that and then to you learn every day you learn from the mistakes you make you also learn from the mistake that uh, other people make great so when you are at spotify right and then you joined freshly so obviously these are very two different companies right so as you said culture is different in these companies so both companies would have different values both companies would have different perspective as a whole so there's a lot of learning and un- unlearning that needs to happen when you join from spotify to freshly so was it necessary for you to unlearn some things at spotify as well maybe you evolved from whatever things you had at spotify obviously you, you can unlearn some things and some things you can evolve uh, in terms of culture values and perspective and so on did you see this happen to yourself when you moved from spotify to freshly see i think look at the, the process of unlearning and learning is on- ongoing right you uh-huh. yeah. uh, whether it is uh, whether it is core principles or it is technology or it is anything else that's happening around you personally and professionally so that yeah. that's an that's a constant but what i like to think about more is what is it <clears throat> that i learned in a one spot at spotify that i that i'm trying to bring on every single day at freshly and for however long i'm here 
you know, how do I continue to build on it? So I think, I think you, you said a couple of things. One is you, you asked about the mission and, and was it unlearning and learning? I, I don't think so simply because a lot of these organizations that at least I've been and a lot of others where I've not been, uh, the mission and purpose somewhere is, is very connected. These are building blocks. These are concentric circles. You know, this is, it would have been challenging to be honest, if I was working on an idea where the mission was very contradictory to what I'm working on now. For example, if I was selling something for years, which was extremely unhealthy, but a very lucrative business, where by the way, there are fortune 100 companies out there doing that. And now I suddenly came to freshly whose core mission is to break down the barriers to healthy eating because we firmly believe that's how you get the best out of your own life. How do, how do we make you feel great, beautiful, and incredible within the way you are? And how do we solve right. that with high you know, meals and product that is healthy, convenient, tasty, and economical? You know, that, uh, the, the four legs of that stool that just has never happened. But in my world, you know, Spotify has a mission which wanted to create a marketplace for creators uh, to make a living and for the, yeah. the world's population to get access to something incredible, ultimately to change your life. And I think yeah. this is another angle, but with a very similar, directionally similar mission and purpose yeah. to create a platform that breaks down the barriers, you know, that we all have. Yeah, I think if, it, if it's like a bird's eye view of, you know, changing people's life, it would be the overall underlying statement for both of these companies. What would you say? Yes, I, at the end, yes, the, the, the purpose of um, both of these companies and, and many more, right? It, it's just that which part of the human life, where this right. it's entertainment, it is health, it is functional aspect of what we need uh, in our daily life as a utility or, or education. At the end, a lot of these things are, are addressing, you know, different aspects of our daily life. Right. And then tying this learning and unlearning things from like a broad company level to like, you know, specific to marketing and growth, right? So there are a lot of campaigns or there are a lot of uh, activities that you would have done at Spotify, which where the underlying mission is the same, that changing people's life though in a different way or different factor. So when you switch jobs from Spotify to Freshly, now the overall uh, perspective is the same, like you're changing lives at Freshly as well. So do you think the unlearning and learning in terms of marketing is also there, like specific to very uh, role in two different companies? I would, you know, I think to be quite honest, for a lot of these functions, there's marketing growth, just running a business. Mm-hmm. I think 90, 80 to 90% of what you do is pretty consistent. It's a, it's a framework, it's a blueprint that you, that you put in your head or you put it on paper and you apply it. Because for example, uh, whether you're in healthcare or, or you are uh, in CPG or you're a marketplace, the, the challenges that most organizations are facing, and by the way, also, whether you're a Fortune 100 or you're a Fortune 1000 or you are a startup you know, in CVC, CD stage, most okay. of them are struggling with the, with the, sorry, most of them are struggling with the same challenge, which is fragmentation, which is creating silos, Within, within the operating model, still with an intent of delivering an experience which is connected, but underlying operating model is extremely broken. They're all struggling with a broken tech ecosystem, which leads mm-hmm. to a broken data ecosystem, which ultimately leads to a broken understanding of the consumer. And then you solve it in, in bits and pieces. Everyone is struggling, every business, regardless of size and scale and function or vertical, 
is struggling to balance short-term and long-term growth. Mm-hmm. It's struggling to balance the impetus on, on performance marketing with truly mid to long-term you know, paths to build an authentic, honest, brave brand. And so the core principles that drive success and the core challenges that are impediment to that success mm-hmm. are all very, very consistent, 80 to 90%. That's why when I'm sitting on, a, you know, on my boat seat, talking to a whole different company, I'm applying the same principles. It's exactly the same challenge and the same bottleneck that you see in most cases. Every now and then, you'll have a very unique scenario, which is very business specific. But most times, it is pretty consistent. Hence, you've got to be able to build these blueprints um, that you apply, the playbooks that you apply to different businesses. And you consistently keep unlearning and learning because the world around us is changing so rapidly. Got it. Got it. And you know, this makes me think about uh, an article that you wrote, right? So in this article, you discuss about how brands can thrive in a consumer driven world and how do you reposition marketing as a growth engine? So is this 80 to 90% that you're saying, which is consistent, is this the same growth engine that you're talking about? Yes. You know, marketing, marketing has gone through so much transformation in, in such a short time. Uh, every function has, uh, including engineering and IT or tech, the different nomenclature that mean different things now compared to what it meant even seven, eight years back. But I think within the C-suite on that table, marketing is relatively speaking still uh, the youngest function, right? Marketing back in the you know, 70s and, and onwards was only a function and existing in CPGs, in consumer packaged goods companies, right? That, that CMO for a product company never existed. The CMO for a tech company back then never existed. But what's happened with marketing and growth is, um, I, I think about that in three kind of macro eras, right? So era one was, let's say the 70s onwards till the 90s or the 2000. Is I call it the, the era of the madman, the, you know, the, the, the age of the madman where it was a Midas touch, right? You, you touch anything turns into gold. And all marketing was about was throwing some nice creative ads on television and people saw it and they went to the shelf and they bought it. And it worked because you know, consumers had no option. There was no technology, there was no data. There were three or four limited set of channels. There was no traceability. So it was purely, mostly unaccountable marketing. And, and you just had to be creative and make people laugh and everybody was saying, I'm unique, just like the other person, just like the other brand. I'm whiter, I'm stronger, I'm stretchable, and it worked. Brilliant. But right. that set the tone for what marketing was. This black box had to be cool, a big spender, a cost center, and it works sometimes. I don't know by how much, but it works. Okay. Then came the second era, which I call the, the age of uh, digital confusion. It was a decade of digital confusion from 2000 onwards, where Technology is just, you know, there's a proliferation of digital tech, marketing tech, ad tech. You know, data became table stakes. Marketing became accountable. We all thought first digital was a bolt-on. So there was marketing and then there was digital marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And, And all the big organizations said, oh, we have to do digital. And very soon we all realized, well, it wasn't digital marketing. It was marketing in a digital world. Right. to somebody who was living an inherently digital life. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's when most organizations now that you and I know don't use the word digital anymore. That's just the DNA. That's who we are. That's yeah. who the companies are. 
So the, there were, but there was a confusing era. And then came the biggest pivot, kind of 2008 or so, when Facebook started to come at scale, iPhone was launched, and this notion of growth at all cost, because yeah. there was so much VC money coming in at pretty much zero cost, uh, that mindset changed, that no matter what you do, you have to move the needle. And marketing over-indexed on this side of growth and performance marketing, where it suddenly became from totally or somewhat unaccountable to now becoming totally accountable, where it went to the extreme, where we all kind of have lost the soul and the purpose of marketing, where it is all about same day gratification. It doesn't matter how you understand me as a brand. It doesn't matter whether you understand my core offering, as long as you come in my ecosystem, right? As long as I acquire you. Now, because that's a short-term focus, I don't even care how quickly you leave. So you may churn, you may not be a high retained user. I really don't care as long as you come in because that's all that matters right now. So what's happened is we've gone through these, these kind of three phases and this is where what we are all going through right now with this global crisis, which is disheartening and unfolding. But one thing that it has done, it has shook, it has shook all of us in a good way. It has challenged us to, and taken us all the way back to the roots of what marketing should have always been, which is empathetic, which is honest, which is true, you know, where we need to have conversation, where we need to build that trust through transparency and not be just about the functional value, not be just about the offer, not be just about driving an action from you and creating fear, you know? So I think that from a marketing and growth standpoint, first of all, I don't think these are two separate things. I don't think marketing and sales, not that I don't think, I believe marketing and sales is no longer separate. If the purpose of marketing is not to grow, is not to drive revenue, not to drive sales, then you shouldn't exist. So that era is over where marketing and sales were two different, two different teams, two different functions. Even that era where marketing was brand and growth was growth is gone as well, or for the most companies should go away. Uh, mm-hmm. Hold your marketing function accountable for growth, but it's not just quantitative growth, short-term growth of your CAC, your user growth. It's growing your brand, it's growing your user base, growing your user value. It's not an either or, it's an and. Now, the pace at which you invest in one versus the other is de- dependent on where you are in your journey as an organization. If you are in early stage, mid stage, late stage. Totally. So this makes me think, so we have come across all these different eras and different phases of marketing, right? We are in currently the growth era. So do you think that the growth era is going to be there for long or it's going to change into something different? A few things that comes on top of my mind is something which the world is seeing now. As you said, like everyone is doing growth, everyone is doing marketing, but they are more empathetic, they're more uh, honest and they're more true, transparent towards their consumers. And the one thing that they're trying to do is, you know, give value, right? By being empathetic, by being true, by being honest. But the main crux of all of this uh, selling is obviously every company wants to sell, every company wants to make money. And that's what marketing and growth should drive. But they should also drive something which is much more important in this world as of now, which is value. So people are only going to buy things as of now, which gives them value. So is, is the growth marketing kind of on the verge of maybe changing into value-based selling or something like that? Well, first of all, that's a great question. And I would say the impetus on growth should never go away, right? Like if you're 
yes, we all need to have a mission and a purpose, but I can, I can vouch. I can tell you if, if your business is not doing well, you are not going to change the world. Right. right. So at the end, we all have to figure out ways to run a, a business with strong unit economics, because without that, you don't have the oxygen to change the world. You don't change the world on paper. Right. So that's first and foremost. What we are talking about, though, is, is growth should not equate to only short-term growth. Value right. should not equate to only functional and utilitarian value. Right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, and what marketers do shouldn't just be that, that short-term, functional, you know, price-driven value. What we right. have to add on, so we don't have to lose the impetus on that. What we have to add on top of that is that emotional value, right? We yeah. have to add the mid to long term because more so because the consumers of today, you know, the Gen Zs, you know, the, uh, the early millennials, they are so conscientious about what they do in their life. What brands do they associate themselves with, right? Yeah. In, in, most, in most countries, you are no longer just blindly buying something because you, for certain products, yes. But for many products that we use in our life, we're asking a question, Am I, do I want to be behind that brand? I want, and, and the consumers today with so much choice and so much access to information, they can see through. So yeah. you, as a brand, you can no longer have a facade and, and just say, oh yes, this is who I am. You know, because they will see through, through your actions. So the one thing that I would hope, I'm, I don't know if it will happen, but I, one thing that I would hope becomes a new normal is, is the focus of brands and companies to drive both short-term and long-term growth is to drive both functional and emotional value and not either or. Because if you only index on long-term growth as well, uh, on the other, other, other hand, uh, or you only index on emotional value, you'll run out of business or, or you will probably not even make a business. And in the absence of that, again, you, know, you really cannot um, accomplish your mission and your purpose or change the world. That, that's really interesting. I totally accept the, the one line which you said, which could totally relate to myself is also something which is, uh, so if any brands that I want to be associated to, so I would definitely, you know, think twice or maybe think 10 times in choosing those particular brands. It's not only brands that we use as consumers, but also as businesses. So is it same for both of the worlds, like, you know, the consumer focused world and also the business world, or is it just the consumer focused world? But- no, it's, I think it's across the board. Look at the end of the day, uh, who is it? Who's the decision maker? It's not a machine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. Even, even for, you know, even for what you're buying for your business, ultimately the decisions are made by human beings. And as long right. as, look, as long as humans continue to think and operate like humans, we will make humanistic decisions. Right. right? When, when humans change and decisions are big, made the end decision. So, uh, Obviously, somebody may say, well, what do you mean? You know, the whole world of AI and ML is about machines making decisions. Um, yes, in the middle, right? But at the end, they're making those decisions ultimately for something that's been consumed by humans. And until that happens, uh, which is until you and I yeah. are alive, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, we'll have to make decisions that, that, that are more humanistic and we can't ignore that. But, you know, one thing I just want to piggyback on that, Sunil, is... Mm-hmm. The word brand is such a misnomer. Well, almost to a point where it's become a stigma. But when I, at least when I, and I'm not going to go into the definition of a brand because there's some fantastic definitions out there. But as a consumer, when I think about the word brand, 
it is not just how you look and feel. In fact, it is far away from how you look and feel, but it is everything else. It is who you are, what you stand up for. And when I think brand, I don't think marketing. That's just marketing perhaps is just the orchestrator of the, right. of the journey of building a brand. Every mm -hmm. iota of an organization, every being in an organization contributes to building that brand. Because look, Nike right. would not be Nike if the shoes did not reflect um, what they were saying they were going to do and change, yeah, right? Totally. And if the, if the product itself sucked, it didn't matter how brilliant marketing was or how many athletes were talking about that, that shoe if the shoe yeah. sucked. So at the end, I feel a lot of times we feel, oh, marketing is the owner of the brand or marketing is the one responsible for the brand and my product roadmap is going to be here. That's, that's such a misnomer. And that's when, you know, marketing uh, becomes gets on an island. And that's what marketing and marketers have to fix, where we have to ensure that one of our biggest roles within an organization is to ensure that we are the brand orchestrators, but everybody else, everybody is a brand owner. Everybody has to become a brand advocate. Now, all we do is drive the process to define what the brand is, what our foundation is, but then every single person is ensuring that whatever they're doing, they're using their brand foundation, their mission and their purpose as a guardrail. Because if your product roadmap doesn't reflect your mission and your purpose, you're missing the point. Totally. And referring back to your analogy that you shared earlier, is marketing the driving wheel inside the Ferrari? That depends on the business model. In some cases, especially in CPG, marketing is a growth engine. Yeah. But in, in an online tech product, perhaps product is that growth engine. Uh, so who is sitting on the driver's seat is very organizational specific and to some extent uh, the business vertical and the nature of the product and the channels that you operate in. What I would say though is no matter what that is and who's driving, growth ultimately is a cross-functional outcome. Yeah. You can't take a group of marketers and say grow the business. You can't take a group of product people say grow the business. You can't yeah. take a group of analysts. Ultimately, Whichever way you shape it, everyone different. There are different models out there, right? So in in two thousand seven or eight, Facebook established the growth team, which sat totally separate from everybody else. But who did the growth team have? It had growth marketers, it had analysts, it had product people, it had engineers, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I believe that back then Facebook was not able to change the core functions or the mindset of those core functions. They said, you know what? We're going to create a separate unit that will be reflective of every single thing we need, which pretty much represented every single team the company had. Yeah. But if, if I were to do it all over again, why would I not fix the root cause where marketing mm -hmm. think like growth, make product think like growth. And, and then you make them work together for a single outcome, which is growing the business. Totally. So that's, that's an interesting conversation. Well, we could go on and on talking about all these exciting and insightful things with you, Mayur. But since we are, you know, sticking to time here, I have three lightning round questions uh, for you. Yeah, so you can just answer whatever is on top of your head. So first one, so what do you know about your work now that you wish you'd have known sooner? <laughs> <laughs> that the world changes right on you when you think it's going great. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. So, yeah. And so what's the biggest professional failure taught you? To never give up, never be defeated and uh, stand up for, no matter what happens, stand up for your beliefs. 
That's amazing. And what's the number one thing that has helped you shorten your crafts learning curve? My crafts learning curve. I think it's, it's becoming a better listener. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think so. Everyone can take that as, you know, you should start listening to more of Mayur's interesting conversation that he's had on different podcasts and different videos and he's written some amazing articles. Yeah. Great. So, so yeah, Mayur, so any parting piece of advice for the listeners? No, I think, I think we discussed a lot, but perhaps one thing I would say that I have, I have learned is that we are, we are all on our respective journeys and, and respective set of challenges. We have our own dreams and ambitions, but one thing that I tell my team, I tell myself every single day is no matter what you do, no matter how many battles you're facing and what ideas, uh, don't forget to have fun. Uh, enjoy the yeah. process. Enjoy, enjoy uh, the hard days just as much as you enjoy the good days but because you're going to have both. Um, amazing. So that's a great takeaway. So thanks a lot, Mayur, for taking time for coming on the podcast and recording an amazing episode with us. You Thanks, Anil, and, and hopefully one of the future ones we can do it in person in, in Bangalore or Pune. Definitely. I'm <laughs> greatly looking forward to that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you.